Did I tell you all I found Snoop Dogg's wine? The special limited edition Snoop Dogg wine? Yes. Yeah, it's in our uh, liquor store, too. It's good. It's pretty decent for a blend. I'm not usually a blend person, but I like it. I haven't tried it, but I took a photo of it just to prove it exists. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, just to prove things exist, uh, let's start the show! <laughs> Segways, I can do them! <laughs> Uh, welcome everybody to Bliss Fully Aware, the show in which three opinionated people discuss what is going on in fandom and nerd news in general. I'm Bliss, and I'm joined, as always, by my two lovely co-hosts, Kelty and Kendra. Hey. Hello. And today we sure do have some things to talk about, but before we get into any of that, I would like to discuss a fun little morsel of pettiness that (laughs) 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 that, uh, occurred earlier this week. Y'all know who Shane Madej is, right? Uh We both do. I don't know if our dear listeners do. Uh, Well, dear listeners, Shane Madej is one of the co-hosts of BuzzFeed's Unsolved, and he is also one of the founders of his own network, Watcher, all on YouTube. And during this new season of BuzzFeed Unsolved, they released an episode... God, what's the name of that episode? The Curious Case of Bliss Doesn't Remember. Oh, the the disappearance of Cindy somebody. Yeah. Yeah. The episode doesn't super matter, uh, in the sense that it's not... (laughs) crazy important to the story. Cynthia Anderson. Oh, okay. The sudden disappearance of Cynthia Anderson, who was a lady who vanished and under mysterious circumstances, and she was heavily, heavily, heavily involved in the church in her town. Too heavily, some might say. Like, like a, there five days a week plus Sunday. Plus dating a guy who was involved in the church. And was going to go to Bible college with this same boyfriend. One might say that it's too much church. (laughs) As Shane Madej says in the episode. He says it a lot. Almost as much as I said it at home watching. (laughs) Almost as much as I say it just talking to people who go to church once a week, really. Any amount of church for me is too much church. (laughs) But, like, not enough for me... To be suspicious if you go missing, mm. you know, like a normal once a once a week churchgoer. But yeah, this lady, she was she was at church a lot, and I'm just double checking. I think her father was working at the church somehow. Trailing off with an upward tone. <laughs> no, doesn't say anything about that. But her her parents were like you know strict and also did a lot of church. And so just just the premise is that when covering, you know, like the facts of her case and her social circle and all that, they are recounting how much time she spent at church and how everyone she hung out with was related to church somehow and how she was planning to go to a Bible college. And yeah, Shane Madej makes the the succinct and punchy observation (laughs) Too much church. Too much church. Too much church. No, not even too much. It's it's a lot of church. Yeah. I think that's what he says. Just a lot of church. A lot of church. 
And then he did say too much church because that was that was dying laughing because escalation is funny because mm-hmm. escalation is funny and because also comedians it's true. It's a lot of church. Lady went to a lot of church. If you go missing and you went to church six times a week, uh, that's and curious. Your, your boyfriend, your significant other, also attended this church. And you were going to Bible church or Bible school. Well, this is too much church. It's just too much church. But apparently everybody freaked out about him saying too much well, church. not everybody, but, but a surprising amount of people, considering uh, yeah. the fact that it's a huge joke in the fandom that he's actually a demon. Yeah, considering his whole personality of, of always <laughs> all the time. And his, his general mistrust of authority. The instigating incident is he apparently received some sort of DM or comment. I don't really know that he took a screenshot of and shared on Twitter that just says, Hey Shane, huge fan of Buzzfeed unsolved. I love your humor on the show. Just wanted to say that I was worried about your comments regarding church on the latest episode. The truth is everyone is a sinner, including you and myself. And we are all in need of a savior, which is found in Jesus. Repent. And put your trust in him today. It's nothing to joke about. In fact, it's deadly serious. <laughs> put your trust in him today. I love when proselytizing of any kind for any faith comes with a threat. <laughs> yeah. Right? That's just, that's really religious people showing their ass. Yeah. Love Jesus or else. <laughs> He responded with a funny little uh, JPEG of Elaine from Seinfeld making the devil horns face. It was cute. It was a cute response to somebody being terrible. Yeah. But apparently they weren't the only person who was offended, which maybe that was the first episode of Unsolved they'd ever seen. Right. (laughs) Americans get really touchy about their church. Americans do get really touchy about their church. Ooh, do they? They have too much church. Mm. So yeah, there was uh, quite the debate going on in the comments of that post. I saved a couple of my favorite responses. Uh, So Mr. Patrick Rice on Twitter replies, You have the same probability of seeing a ghost as you do seeing hell. I mean, it depends on what side of believing you are on that one. I'm assuming there there was shame. I'm sure that's true. No matter if you believe or not believe, both people would agree with that. No, I guess that's a good point, yeah. Kinder Dembrity. I, okay. I have no idea what your name is. Sorry, friend. D. Let's call them D. (laughs) (laughs) Says, sounds like someone has gone to, dare I say, too much church. (laughs) (laughs) JG Lead says, I'm a Christian. And as I watched it, my thought as well was, too much church. Mm-hmm. Nadid Heber uh, says, I respect people when they have faith, but bro, this is too much church. Also, the mm-hmm. fuck is this person talking about? Shane has literally verbally harassed Goatman, laid on a pentagram, and screamed at God. How can she say she likes him then? Eight question marks. Mm-hmm. I mean, he also taunted the Annabelle doll. God, that was so funny. Um, at the uh, the mission in San Francisco, somewhere in Northern California, just fucking antagonized 
a demon, supposedly. A supposed like, demon. Repeatedly asks for ghosts and demons to physically harm him so that they can, you know, document proof of the supernatural. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, has rolled his eyes at an actual Catholic exorcist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, they sat down and talked to a real, live, goddamn, ordained Catholic father who is also an exorcist. And were like, what's demon possession like? And every time he said something, Shane physically had to restrain himself. <laughs> From, like, scoffing aloud. Love that kid. So, in response to all of the drama happening, he replies to his own first tweet to say, This tweet has inspired some spirited discourse, and I need to clarify a few things. (laughs) I'm not remotely offended that this person thinks I'm going to hell. I mostly just love that scene with Pudi and Elaine. Putty. It's putty. I haven't watched Seinfeld in five million years, Kelty. I'm a bad Jew. I was about to say. And... I read the first page of the Bible and am now deeply Christian. Sorry, guys. (laughs) So cheers to you, Shane Madej. That was some humor I desperately needed this week. My favorite response was the one that was like, today on BuzzFeed Unsolved, we're going to find out an answer to the question, is God real? And then they just show Shane (laughs) shaking his hands like, no. (gasps) And on that note... Speaking of God, or there being none. (laughs) Too much church. (laughs) Tell me, did something happen in the Supernatural fandom? Okay. No, there was. In in the middle of election limbo, on motherfucking Guy Fawkes Day, (laughs) Putin was apparently has, like, Parkinson's now, but now they're denying it, so it might be hashtag fake news. Yeah, that all happened on the same day. About, yeah, God, that was a fifth to remember. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so I haven't actually been in the Supernatural fandom since, God, like 2009, 10. Um, so I haven't seen the last 35 seasons. This uh, is the final season. Yeah. Sorry, you're very bad at explaining things. They, uh, had to postpone the final season due to COVID and they filmed it all over the summer with COVID uh, regulations and now it is airing and the only people I can imagine who are still watching this show on season 17 now or whatever it is are like the diehard shippers. Uh So what happened exactly in this last season? In Supernatural, there is like this OG daddy ship between Dean Winchester, one of the two main character brothers, and an angel named Destiel. They are like the Kirk and Spock of this show. They have a lot of homoerotic tension. One has gone to hell to save the other and shit, and they've been, like, eye-fucking each other for, like, 12 years. (laughs) And it is the ship in the fandom. Like, people are insane. They go bother the real actors about it. They write so much fanfiction and videos and fanzines. Like, I would hazard a guess that the ship of Dean and Castiel is, like, I don't know, like 80% of the fandom. Like, it is a huge subset. The other 20% is Wincest. Yeah, and they don't like each other. No, they don't. But 
it is a huge part. It is hard to be a Supernatural fan and not encounter this ship in some way. I would say nigh on impossible. Yeah. And it's just the most, like, you know, standard milk toast man pain to white men gazing longingly at each other kind of ship. Mm-hmm. Which is fine if that's your bag. I'm just, that's what it is. So suddenly I'm on Twitter Thursday night. Because that's where all my election news is coming in that I need as I, like, chain-smoke my way through the results coming in. And suddenly, supernatural terms start trending. Which is not super unusual in Vancouver, because this is where the show is filmed. So they start trending, and I'm like, oh, the, the new episode must be airing. And then, like, specifically, Destiel starts trending. And I'm like, what? What? Why? <sighs> and so, apparently... In the last scene of the latest episode, which is not the final episode, um, I don't know exactly like what's happening plot-wise right now in the show. I don't think anybody does. <laughs> no. But somehow Castiel is like stuck, like he's inside a pentagram for some reason. I don't know. It is implied visually through the scene that I watched that he cannot leave this circle, and he he's talking to Dean on the other side of the line. And he's talking about, he's made a deal with someone that he's going to hell to save someone's life. I don't know. It's like a noble sacrifice thing. And he's like very emotional because, again, in this show that's been going on for like 17 years, the stakes always have to be raised Mm -hmm. because otherwise it gets boring. So they've gone to hell and brought people back from the dead a couple times now. So now they he's going to, like, super hell. He's going to, like, total oblivion, no coming back. Like, your soul is annihilated, like, through antimatter or something. He's Dunyan Rings. He is not coming back from this one. And I don't know. He has, like, ten minutes to, you know, give a tragic monologue. And... He's doing that, and basically, like, and, you know, props to Misha Collins, like, the writing is not great, but he's acting his little heart out, and he's putting his all into it, and so, you know, good for him, and it's, yeah, he's acting, and basically, at the end of this impassioned monologue, he basically confesses his love to Dean, and then is, like, ripped apart by, like, weird, like, inky venom tentacles. Mm-hmm. And goes to super hell and he's never coming back. So what, what the show did is, in the last scene of one of the final episodes, confirmed the show's biggest ship, at least one-sidedly. And then immediately killed <laughs> the gay love <laughs> character... <laughs> Yeah. And sent him to super hell, where he will never return from. Supposedly. Supposedly, yes. There's lots of theories that he'll be reincarnated or come back from super hell somehow. Probably come back from super hell as a woman. Because yes, some the- people are thinking he'll come back from super hell as a woman, so it doesn't have to be gay. Eight. And that's the thing, like, there's arguments that because Castiel is like a supernatural entity without a gender can we really call this gay but for the purposes of the fact that they're two men in male bodies they're gay and so yeah like before the other character dean is even can even intake this information (sighs) that his buddy of 12 years and a guy who rescued him from hell is like truly in love with him 
he just boom like goes, explodes explodes into blacky inky goop and and goes to super hell. It is the same blacky inky goop though as normal hell. So I, I did not know that was how you got sent to hell. That is how hell is. That's how hell takes you in Supernatural. I see. Black inky goop. Like a hentai. Yeah. Sex venom hentai. Okay. Why do you think I watched this show for as long as I did? Because you have a lot of eroticized Catholic guilt. And daddy issues. And daddy, and issues. daddy issues. Yeah. That show is just daddy issues and eroticized Catholic guilt, like, all the way through. And so, like, people were first of all, like, gobsmacked that... Because Supernatural as a show has definitely played with their fandom before. Mm-hmm. Like, in the narrative of the show, they've, like, acknowledged the existence of fandom and the existence of, like, shipping and LARPing and all these really niche fandom behaviors. Because, you know, that's where their bread is buttered. Like, mm-hmm. that's why this show has been going on for 17 seasons. So you have to you have to kind of play nice with your fandom. But... They don't. They, well, no, they also piss off the fandom. <laughs> but the fandom is also very... Insane. Insane and entitled and so deeply interwoven with the production of this show now that, you know, it was always just kind of going to be queer baiting. It mm-hmm. was going to be like, oh, look at all their homoerotic tension. And then, you know, they go sleep with women or something who die immediately because they immediately. don't matter to the story. So the fact that at least one character in this very popular pairing was indeed truly no kidding in love with the other was, was I guess, a, a big revelation. Because, like, at that point, at season 17, who is watching this show except for Destiel Shippers? Windsor Shippers. <laughs> Like, who are they? I don't know. Like, I just, those are the only other two, those are the only other kinds of fans. I know, but I. Nobody who watches this show likes heterosexuality because the women die immediately, so. And are poorly characterized and poorly written. Yeah, oh yeah. The only female character that I remember being written really at all was actually a lesbian, so. Wasn't Felicia Day in Supernatural for a hot second? Yeah, she was the lesbian. They killed her, didn't oh. they? I thought she lived. She might have lived and just never been seen again. I don't know. I, I they... have never watched an episode of the show. This is based purely off of my ancient Tumblr knowledge. She's not the only lesbian, though. They have definitely had lesbians before that they killed. <laughs> There's an old Tumblr post I saw once that I think explains the fandom of this show very well. That was talking about uh, My Little Pony, Friendship is Magic. And the post said something along the lines of, like, is there a show or a book or a movie the target audience is, like, teenage boys or, like, tween and teenage boys that adult women just kind of, like, appropriated for themselves and took over and kind of, like, it completely missed the mark in the way that My Little Pony, Friendship is Magic was just totally absorbed. The, the fandom was just totally overrun with grown men. Mm. And like, eventually even in my little pony, they started writing the show for bronies and they started incorporating like brony in jokes and brony memes, like into the narrative of friendship is magic. So this post like posited if there was something similar where uh, a property had been targeted towards sort of teenage boys 
and found an audience with grown women? And the answer is supernatural. Mm-hmm. Like, the tone of this show was supposed to be very edgelordy and, like, dark in a way that's still appropriate for a WB show. Mm-hmm. And so, like, it's like, oh, it's, they're two brothers with daddy issues and they're part-time exorcists and they roam around America meeting weird folks. And I'm sure when they pitched that show, they were like, what a great demographic for 13 to 35 year old men. That's not at all what happened. Nope. So I can only assume that the truest, most diehard people still watching the show are the shippers because this fandom is like, like I would say behind Harry Potter Mm. is the fandom of the 2010s. Mm-hmm. The mm-hmm. most popular, the most infamous, that's mm-hmm. for sure, mm-hmm. the most cozy with their writers, the most prolific, like, god damn. So for them to, like, halfway validate their most popular ship and then immediately kill the gay character and send him to super hell is super fucking tone deaf, but not at all a surprise based on the quality of the writing of this show. No. I mean, it's, it's just Raylo again. Yeah, it's a, it's a Raylo move, except this time with, like, a bury your gaze twist. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. It's not the first time they've buried their gaze. No, as we've said, there are many dead lesbians in this show. <sighs> but really, the irony is that because they focused so hard on making this show for men... They never really bothered to write any women. Who weren't sex partners. Who weren't just sex partners who then immediately died for man pain points. Which basically made it so that the fandom was like, I guess the brothers are in love. But then the other half of the fandom was like, that's gross. So... They introduce Cass. Because, you know, they're like the only long-term relationship each other has ever had. So they introduced Cass in season four, and then they just... And, like, I don't know if they wrote his character this way, but Misha Collins plays it as, I am in love with Dean Winchester. No, I mean... Like, from the start. There's no other way to take it. Okay, so, little little tangent. Again, this is old s- Supernatural news, because I'm an old Supernatural fan. It's kind of like how I only know the first 150 Pokemon, and then everything else is just hubba blah. But we had a female angel come in at one point that Dean fell in love with, like instantly, like in a in a Captain Kirk kind of way. And then when they have sex in their car, which was basically the the third the third brother, <laughs> the third brother. Uh, so they have sex in their car, and like there's a handprint that Castiel had left on Dean when pulling him out of hell. Which, I'm not gonna go too far into this, but that doesn't make any goddamn sense, because he wasn't a human yet. That's not the point, though. Moving on. Cass pulls Dean out of hell, leaves this handprint on him. Now, in the in the sex scene with the female angel, she puts her hand directly over that handprint scar, and even people who didn't ship anything in this show that I was friends with at the time were like, guys, that's gay. (laughs) So, like, I don't know if the writers were just completely moronic and didn't really realize... Because this happens a lot in fandom, 
where the writers just don't write female characters well because misogyny. And then they don't really understand why everybody is making all their characters gay, but it's because they're... Only the male characters have interesting dynamics. Yeah. They're the only ones who are complex and interesting. Yeah, basically. And so, and some shows are just, you know, sausage fests already, like mm-hmm. Supernatural. Mm-hmm. Um, like Star Trek. Mm-hmm. Sherlock. Like Lord of the Rings, even. Lord of the Rings is a really great example. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, when... Only your male characters are dynamic and interesting and complexly written. They are the ones that if you'd be like, hmm, I wonder how, you know, A and B would interact or C and D. And that's why gay shipping is predominant. Yeah. <laughs> Which is why I, you in fandoms that have well-written female characters like Avatar, like Game of Thrones, you don't have that. Yeah. Like the You the see a lot more heterosexual pairings are like five times as popular yeah. in Game of Thrones than homosexual pairings of either yeah. lesbian or gay. Yeah. There's just way more variety because if you write female characters to be interesting, uh we want them to be there. Go figure. I am curious <laughs> as to how they would react or interact with some folks. And not just to be a sex object. So yeah, that's that's where supernatural drama is now. I don't know what what do you else do you want to talk about with it? Like I do know that Misha Collins has spoken out on the episode. Has he? I'm sure it was fucking his idea. <laughs> it was. I'm sure he was like, I refuse to to do my last uh, season <laughs> as Castiel unless you let me write a, ge- a love confession. It. it- I don't know if he wrote the line, but he was asked his opinion on the the relationship with the line, and he was like, no, it's romantic. Of course it is. Yeah, but he has a history of saying shit like that. <laughs> Misha Collins has been a really big shipper in the Destiel fandom. Yeah, Misha Collins especially has had a crazy relationship with the fandom, and is a bit of a little, like, troll where he just fucking loves to be involved with the weirdest ships and fan art and, like, when fans without boundaries come and ask him things, he loves it yeah. <laughs> instead of fucking hates it. He is borderline psychotic. <laughs> He's a weird duck. Like, I don't think he ever expected his acting ter- career to go in this direction. The thing that I think really encompasses who Misha Collins is, is one time in an interview, they were asking him about his childhood. And he said one time, because he wanted to be popular, he licked a bat. He found a bat on the ground (laughs) and he licked it. Oh, so he licked a a sick bat or a dead bat? A sick bat. Oh, good. So he definitely had babies (laughs) at one point? So now he just has worms in his brain. (laughs) And... He did this because he was, like, unpopular and convinced himself that this would make him popular. Don't know why. Uh, You do a lot of weird things (laughs) for the sake of being popular. It didn't succeed. And, uh, I think of that story every goddamn day. (laughs) Just, just randomly, I'll just be sitting around watching the news and I'm like, remember how Misha Collins looked a bat? Like, just... I haven't watched this show in, like, ten years. Anyway. 
Good lord. So out of curiosity, I went to see if um, good old Jared Padalecki or... Um, Jensen Ackles. Jensen Ackles, thank you. Had tweeted anything post the incident. Mm. And Jensen has not. No, he wouldn't. <laughs> but Jared Padalecki did... Uh, share a screen cap of all three of their names in hashtags with that little dick emoji and said, I see our influences spreading everywhere. Jared Padalecki is a treasure. He's adorable. Jensen Ackles is so repressed that I I don't even, I, I feel for the guy. I really do. So I actually have a genuine question about Jensen Ackles. Yes. Has he always acted like that in the show? Yes. Has he always acted that badly? Yes. Is that 100%. like a choice? Yeah. No. No. That's his. That's his face. That's just his face all the time. Like, okay. I'm sorry, Jensen. You're constipated just all the time. Every time that you're supposed to have an emotion that isn't rage, uh, you just look constipated. And we've had this conversation as a fandom for years now because. Because it's gotten to the point where we're just like, oh, okay, he's just having a difficulty expressing his emotions because it's literally all he does. Which, you know, it works out for him because he has... Jared Padalecki plays the brother who's like a little sensitive and emotional and has feelings because he's the younger brother, as as it do usually Even in fandoms. He's a massive tree man. He's, he's so big. Um, but... Yeah, so he's the one with the feelings, and Jensen or Dean is the one with no feelings, because he just pushes it all down. And we're not entirely sure if that's just an acting choice or just the fact that Jensen Ackles can't act. I've seen him in other movies. It's all kind of the same. So I can't tell. My issue is, because I watched the scene, everybody, everybody watched the scene. Mm-hmm. Because there was nothing else to do. <laughs> the only thing I can compare it to is if there had been, like, a Kirk Spock love confession in, like, the last scene of a Star Trek season. If Star Trek had run for 20 years. <sighs> like, that's... Like, it's it's that Mac Daddy of a ship. Like, mm -hmm. it's just huge, and people have started careers around it, and... The fandom is massive and like, and it's kind of a joke now, like how famous this ship is and like how much can the writers escalate the homoeroticism without them ever actually having to commit to it has also been like a game of gay chicken. <laughs> oh, penetration on screen. Yeah. No homo. Yeah, but like no homo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I just, I didn't, I 100% I believed Misha Collins acting his little heart out with the tears and he's yeah. in love and he's trying to say that. And the whole time I'm staring at <laughs> Dean and he just looks constipated <laughs> and he's got his like brow furrowed and yeah. it looks like a gay person confessing their love to their straight friend and their straight friend's like, oh, please don't do this, brother. Come on, don't do this, my man. And then he dies! Have you seen the script? I have not. Okay, in the script directions, that's basically the answer. Like, the script direction says that, like, Dean does not reciprocate. 
Yep. Oh. Castiel is satisfied with at least confessing his emotions before he's obliterated or something. Uh, <laughs> Mood. Uh, so, like, in the script, it's very no homo. Uh, yeah, who knows, like, what'll come of that? I don't know. There's, like, a couple, three or four more episodes. Such a choice. Like, I mean, the show, the show fridges constantly. Mm-hmm. And it queerbaits all the time. But it's mm-hmm. such a choice. I think it is a choice because they were like, this is the only way to generate buzz around our last season. <laughs> Like, I cannot imagine who else is still watching the show. I mean, if y'all had just made Cass a woman, then you wouldn't have had this problem. Well, that's the thing, yeah. Like, that's that's really all I'm saying. Like, if y'all were gonna be homophobic, then don't make Cass a man. Cass is a girl's name, too. <laughs> you can just, you can just have her called Cassie. You just, which, well, actually. Or, like, don't write them as being super in love. Right. Well, obviously. (laughs) There are two options. Actually, that is funny, because Dean's only girlfriend that he ever, like, has for longer than an episode, uh, not on screen, but you see, she was the the one that got away, and she's there for an episode, and then I don't think she dies? Can't quite remember. I'm pretty sure she does, though, because she's black, and the only thing that the show is more... And homophobic is racist. Anyway, her name was Cassie. <laughs> so do they only know like five names? <laughs> like, <laughs> um, well, they know a, there's a bunch of angels. They have a bunch of angels. Yeah, but you could just open up a Bible and yeah, take you out just have angel to names. Open up the Book of Enoch, and there's a million of them. I bought an angel theology textbook during my fandom foray into this bullshit which was actually very fun but i hate myself for it because yeah like apocryphal angel theology is very fertile ground to write your heart in the pun but to write your supernatural drama in Mm -hmm. like there's none of the none of the book of enoch is canonically in the bible it's an apocryphal text but it is basically about the the angels as like a separate race of heaven mm-hmm. and there are two named angels in the bible there's a named angel in the book of tobit which i think is in the catholic bible mm-hmm. and that's where you hear michael gabriel and raphael mm-hmm. uh like the named archangels and those are the only ones everyone else comes from the book of enoch which talks about like the hierarchy of angels and how some of the fallen angels mated with women. And that's where Nephilim come from. And like the real whack shit in the Bible, like the old Testament whack shit comes from the book of Enoch. And so a lot of the show draws inspiration from that. Mm -hmm. If I understand correctly. I mean, after season four, anyway, yeah, the first three seasons, they're just like ghost hunters. They're just it's yeah. just BuzzFeed unsolved, but with a higher budget, barely. And if they took themselves seriously. Yeah. But also, fun fact, in those first three seasons, there's an episode where they have to perform a possession. It does not Excuse kill me? anyone. I'm not perform a possession, perform an exorcism, rather. And it does not kill anyone, because all they have to do is say Christo. But then 
yeah, after really. season four. The Catholic Church doesn't know about that. <laughs> yeah. You only you exercise a demon by saying Christ's name in Latin. Yep. And that's it. <laughs> yep, that's Just it. Just like once. <laughs> One time, yeah. But by season four, the rules done changed. <laughs> And we had to. We had such a body count. Everybody was dying. Well, it's a convenient plot device. Well, yeah, you had to raise the stakes somehow. Yeah. So rather than like fucking around with like small time ghosts and shit, they're like getting into fights with God. Yeah. On they the do. Rig. <laughs> they do get in a fight with God because he's just a writer of pulp novels, which are actually their lives. Oh, I remember that. Yeah, that's one of the that's one of the fandom episodes. Yeah. <laughs> that's a really fun episode. That's like really fun. His name is Chuck. God's name is Chuck. Yeah, and my understanding is that at least in earlier seasons, the show did not quite take itself so seriously. No, it was like, a little more tongue in cheek. It wasn't quite so grim dark. And also, the actors don't take it seriously. And I'm not saying that to be mean. I'm saying that that was fun that about it. That was the it. tone that the show required. Yeah, it was fun. Because, like, they actually talk about, because people are like, Dean, Sam, and Cass's voices all get just increasingly deeper. Yeah, so now they all sound like Christian Bale Batman. Yes. And... At one point, one of them was like, oh yeah, no, we've been doing that on purpose. We just wanted to, like, out-deepen each other's voices <laughs> and see who, like, had to call it quits first. I was gonna say, that must be so painful by this point. Uh, anyone who likes Invader Zim, if you can get your hands on the creator commentaries for the Invader Zim episodes, yeah. they are phenomenal. They are some of the best commentaries I have ever heard like Jonan Vasquez and the writers and voice actors. And uh, Jonan Vasquez mentions in one of them that, like, uh, oh, Zim's voice actor, I don't remember his name, but he's in... He's in Hasbun. He's Has-Ben. in Hasbun Hotel. Richard Horvitz. He's not in Hasbun, yeah. he's in Helleba. Oh, okay. right. Okay. Uh, Richard Horvitz, um, he does Zim's voice, but it's not, like, his performance. Like, they pitch up his performance mm-hmm. a little bit, to be, like, the final Zim voice. And so because of that, hearing his own performance pitched back to him, or played back to him, pitched up, he started to then give his performance a little higher. So when they pitched it up again, it was, like, too high. And so Jonan Vasquez points that out in one of the commentaries, like, you were starting to try and do Zim's voice like you heard it on the show, and so when we pitched it up, it became too high, and it sounds like Zim's taken helium. <laughs> so this is like the opposite version of that. Yeah, kind of. They're, they're like trying to get lower and lower and more gruff and masculine, yeah. and it's just this really weird dick measuring contest. Yeah. Except for Misha Collins, who's who's like purposefully fucking with people. Yeah, yeah. And so yeah, like when I t- when I talk about supernatural being like one of the most influential fandoms of the teens, like the 2010s. That's what I mean. Like it launched careers. That author who wrote ship it writes for fucking Riverdale. Now, of course she does. She writes for Riverdale. I mean, you can tell wrote that cringy fucking I'm a weirdo speech for Jughead. Of course she does. Oh my God. Yeah, I'm not fucking kidding. Like, that woman gets paid to write now. God. Uh, 
But before you get into talking more, because I definitely want to hear more about it, let's cut for ads. Ad time. Yeah, it's ads. Ads! Okay, we're back. Thank you. Now, Kendra, please continue. Well, okay, so here's my... I just have a thing I gotta say. Mm-hmm. I don't know when it became necessary to have your stuff be canon. Because I, I've been doing this since I was nine. Not to out myself as having no friends from birth. But, like, I, I've been in fandom for a long-ass time, okay? Longer than most people around now have even been alive. Uh, like, in the fandoms, obviously. But it, I just don't understand why it's important that it's canon or not. Like, I, I've just I've never cared I guess maybe because all of my ships have always been gay. I have never cared about my ships being canon, right? Mm-hmm. And like I said, I've I have been around for the whole let's start demanding actors at Comic Con confirm whether or not my ship is canon or not. And the whole ship wars thing, like mm-hmm. this fandom ship versus that fandom ship, which one's better? And you know, the in show whatever ship wars. I do you remember when Teen Wolf had that issue when Steric yes. Styles Derek became like very very much a thing, and mm-hmm. so everybody kept trying to find other ships in the show that could you know come close to combating that or combating's not the right word but whatever. So everybody kept trying to give Scott a gay love interest, and for a while they hit the nail on the head with Isaac. Then turned around and made him sleep with Scott's ex girlfriend. Yeah, <laughs> because the actors were dating is, in real life. <laughs> that though is some messy gay drama shins. <laughs> I will be honest. It is painful. I almost don't want ships to ever be canon anymore. Oh yeah, because it ruins it. It it sort of does because mm-hmm. it's never going to be what you want it to be. And so if it just ends with them walking next to each other into the sunset, never to be seen again, then I'm golden. That's all I want. (laughs) House ended the way I went every ship of mine to end, which is basically just, eh? Question mark? And, And then there's nothing further. Because once it happens, like even, and this is even with heterosexual ships. You then don't want Dean and Cass to have a canon coming together <laughs> moment. <laughs> I mean, at this point, I could care less because I haven't seen the show in 10 years. But also, like, if they did, it's only three episodes away. So. But it would have that closure. Exactly. What I'm saying is that if in the last episode they went off into the sunset, cool. That's that's it. I mean, I would 100% be on them just fucking ending their 17-year-old gong fest with just, yeah, they're gay (laughs) and they get married at the end. Like, that would be fucking bold and I would respect that. I was going to say, I feel like a lot of people would like that. Yeah, it would be great. But then, like, you know, they're never going to write that. No, cause... they'll never do it. Because they don't they don't like gay people enough. No. But, like, also, like, my point was, I don't, I'm not invested in them anymore. So it would more just be like, 
Hey, I'm glad that happened for you guys. I hypothetically have watched this show, 17 seasons of it. I have become very invested in the ship. I think it would be very gratifying, hypothetically, to see it coalesce, but at the same time, specifically with that fandom, obviously, it would never happen in a satisfying way because of the way the showrunners are. Mm-hmm. But I think I would want that. I'm not gonna say, you know, accost people at Comic-Con panels, um, or sign petitions on Twitter, send showrunners emails about it, but I think it would be gratifying to one day see a ship, let me be slightly more specific, a Mm. fucking queer ship. Mm -hmm. End game. Yeah, that'd be great. And I, I would love that, but I also just don't need it for my fandom enjoyment I guess was more what I meant like it's I would like it for other reasons like you know accepting homosexuality into the mainstream not necessarily because I wanted the ship to happen and it did well I think it personally for me I would hypothetically really want that because it would I guess justify that I wasn't crazy and looking into things too much which I'm okay with being crazy and looking into things too much, but it would be nice to be justified in it actually being canon at some point. But that's the thing, like, I don't think canon is necessarily always the best way a story can be told. It's clearly not, like, if, you know, The 100 and Game of Thrones (laughs) and all of these, you know, fucking Dexter, all of these shows that end badly, the canon way a story ends is not necessarily the best writing choice that could have been taken. And, like, there's no such thing as looking into something too much. There's just your interpretation of a text, and that's all there ever is, and... You can have many people have the same interpretation, and a few people have a very different interpretation, but none of those is any more valid than the other. That is the point of post-structuralism, which is not always great, but I at least agree with it, that concept. But, like, the reason I don't care if things are canon is because, A, the canon writing is not always the best writing, obviously, and B... Like, my interpretation of a character's interaction is just as valid as someone else, because my interaction with a text is always just mine. And I can make an argument around why I think it's the good interpretation, obviously. Mm. Like, a lot of people agree that Animal Farm is about communism, but someone could just be like, I think it's about animals! Mm. And, like, (laughs) I can't tell you that you're wrong. Yeah, and I mean... (sighs) As far as anything I ship now... Okay, well, how about this? The fucking has-been hotel. I ship... Not to go back to that well again, but I ship Angel Dust and Alistair. Mm -hmm. I do not in any way think that that's something that's going to be canon. If the show comes out tomorrow... And within the first season, suddenly shit's happening. I'm like, oh, hey, maybe, maybe that could be canon. And then the show ends and it is canon. I would, I would like that, but I don't expect it. So I guess if I've invested all this time into Supernatural and now there is some sort of, it's in no way good, but say there was a a good version of this. Mm -hmm. say Cass confessed and Dean said oh me too and then they made out Mm -hmm. like that'd be pretty nice (laughs) I get it 
for certain shows because queer baiting is so rough with some shows that it's like, nah, man, okay, y'all deserve this. Yeah, I, I think that would be different with Supernatural because they have queer baited for so long and because that's basically the, the only people still watching. Mm-hmm. I would be like, you fucking owe us. Mm-hmm. Like, we we got y'all paid for 20 years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's one thing to me where... You know, a show that has survived on queer baiting for this long, like just taunting their fans <laughs> even harder. And another thing where a show just like they, they don't have that vision or whatever, or they just decide to go another way. Well, those are two. Those are very different things. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine being in a fandom for 17 seasons that was that queer baity, that fucking fridging everybody left and right Uh, Mm -hmm. and I guess I just can't imagine being in a fandom like that in general Mm, and really have a satisfying end to that (laughs) my condolences goes to the uh, supernatural fandom yeah yeah they need it yeah like I would feel like they are they are owed some closure on this dumb fucking show that they've supported Mm -hmm. not like sorry no, just not to the point of harassing the actors or creators. No, uh, but I think but, even, you know. even in Supernatural, I feel like that's a huge minority. Like, it is. it's one or two or a dozen people out of thousands of people who have attended these conventions and supported this show and stuff. In a group yeah. of thousands, you're going to have a handful of crazies like in any group of thousands that's just statistics oh sure but absolutely every fandom has them mm-hmm. i mean every group has them yeah the fandom was also just really mean to like each other though <sighs> oh yeah it was a it was a bitchy messy fandom like i like there's a reason why i just deleted my my supernatural fix and it's because fuck you, you don't deserve them anyway. <laughs> Y'all were Aww. mean. Yeah, like, the concept of it being canon, I don't think is important in a way that it it validates these fans or something, or it validates their, their interpretations of the show. I just think that, A, from a writing standpoint, it's the only fucking thing that makes sense now. <laughs> like, there's no other justification for why these are the only three characters who are ever around and everyone else is constantly dying. Like, it makes sense for them to have some sort of impermeable bond and B, do something nice for your fucking fans. <laughs> they even the say that. <laughs> There's even a line in Supernatural where Cass says, Dean and I share a more profound bond. Oh, I remember that. That stuck in my head forever, and it didn't—I didn't remember it until she said it. But then it just came out like there's a lot of those kinds of buried traumas with Supernatural for me. Did we talk about the thing? Like I, I was know gonna I, say, I think I we talked about I've the thing. Covered about it enough. Okay. Oh what? wait, no, what? Nothing. It's fine. I just—I don't like. I didn't know what exactly you wanted to focus on about it, so I hope we we covered what you wanted oh, yeah. to cover. Yeah, we did kind of uh, go all over the place. I, th- I think we covered everything. Is there anything you think we forgot? No. No, I mean, that's that's what happened. And <laughs> if you just, if you wanted to talk about, you know, fandom being fandom, like, I thought we might talk about the supernatural fandoms, the history or something. But if you wanted to talk about fans and their lack of boundaries, I think we talked about that. Mm-hmm. Is there anything in the supernatural fandom that would be fun and shocking or interesting oh. at all? 
Oh yeah, oh my god. Like, we could do a whole episode could, yeah. on the history of the Supernatural fandom. Like I said, it was like the biggest fandom, or the second biggest fandom of the, the 2010s. Yeah. I just so genuinely, like, avoided that whole fandom. Like, yeah, like, they they are a huge... Like, they invented ABO, and they they invented a lot... Well, they didn't invent, but they popularized RPF, and they are a huge... They were huge early adopters of AO3, and mm-hmm. they were part of the big migration from LJ to AO3 back in 2011. Mm-hmm. People's careers have been launched by Supernatural yeah. fandom. Supernatural is a lot to thank for just the way that fandom is today. Yeah, the way it is shaped and like even the ugly parts, like the ship wars and mm-hmm. the the bothering the writers and stuff. Yeah, I mean Supernatural was a lot of like today's fandom kids. Supernatural was a lot of their like first fandom. Mm-hmm. Oh, baby's first fandom. It was a lot. Yeah, people who are like now nineteen, twenty, twenty-one. Supernatural. Watching Supernatural and being in the fandom when they were like 14 was their introduction to fandom. Mm-hmm. Like for the previous generation, it was Harry Potter, and for a lot of these kids, it was Supernatural. Mm-hmm. That's wild to think about because it was yeah. it was Harry Potter for me. Yeah, well, like actually getting involved in reading fanfic and looking for fan art. Like I don't know, time time moves. <laughs> yeah, and that's the thing. Like because Supernatural has been on the air for 17 years. Mm-hmm. A lot of these kids who watched it as teenagers and ha- were introduced to fandom by it are now in their mid-twenties. Mm-hmm. How many seasons did Friends run? Like six? Ten. Oh, ten? Oh, fuck me then, okay. Really? I think ten. It's ten seasons! Supernatural lasted longer than Friends did. Yes. Oh yeah, by oh, a lot. By a lot, yeah. Yeah, ten seasons. Oh god, that's so wild to think about. It's wild to think how formative supernatural actually was like i don't think i actually sat back and thought about that until you just said that mm-hmm. no, you, oh like, yeah that's why i said like it is the biggest fandom of the tens maybe possibly outpaced by harry potter but harry potter was on a downslope of mm-hmm. popularity by then like i for a lot of people i've never been in the harry potter fandom i've never read the books but for a lot of people i know who are it is a fandom that they return to a lot. Mm-hmm. So, like, it's still popular. There's still It's still a bump in place. Mm-hmm. But in terms of, like, mass market audience appeal, the books, the movies ended in, like, 2012, 2013? When did they end? It was around then. Yeah. I, was, I, I remember I was in Massachusetts when I saw the last movie. So it was around the early teens that... Uh, Harry Potter was kind of wrapping up on a, like, global phenomenon scale of fandom. Mm-hmm. 2011. 2011. And it's... Oh, see, we started dating. It's... Yeah, so Supernatural was definitely, like, when fandom migrated from LiveJournal to Tumblr, mostly, in 2011, Supernatural, fucking Sherlock, mm-hmm. Doctor Who, mm-hmm. few others, like, uh, the social network, eh? <laughs> the social network, like those were the fandoms, and Supernatural was the Mac Daddy fandom that shaped a lot of fandom discourse. Yeah, you know? I could make a whole episode on fa- on the fandom discourse of Supernatural just based on the my Tumblr history. 
Because, <laughs> like, again, I was, like, weirdly in the fringe of the of the fandom for a long time. Yeah, but you were, like, a very self-hating fan. Oh, from the, from the start. You were like, the show's garbage. And I hate that it's I love it. so bad. It's so bad, but it was really fun, especially in the beginning, because it didn't take itself seriously. It was basically just BuzzFeed Unsolved with a higher budget for the first, like, three seasons. It was really fun. And then, towards the end of the third season, it was like, okay, well, everyone's going to hell. What if we took ourselves seriously? <laughs> and I was like, oh. And, like, I still had fun with it, obviously, because I watched it until season nine, I think. Jesus. But, yeah, it very quickly stopped being the same kind of fun. It was more just kind of like, oh. Became a job. Yeah. <laughs> God, it did. Ugh. But, like, yeah, from the very start, I was, like, a part of the fandom before I was even watching the show because it was so everywhere. It was so ubiquitous, yeah. People were asking, like, I remember I had, like, a little tiny following for a while in uh, Tumblr. No longer. But, like, a lot of my friends from the social network fandom and stuff would ask my opinions on, like, Supernatural. And I was like, I don't know, I've never watched it. And they would just be, like, flabbergasted. But yeah, shout out also to the Social Network fandom for being a very long-lasting movie fandom. That's not common at all. Yeah. Did you hear the news that, or I guess it was not news, it was just a rumor that Jesse Eisenberg said he'd like to come back and do a Social Network 2 where they talk about how terrible Mark Zuckerberg is and how he should be tried in The Hague? I mean, if they did a fucking Social Network 2 election Ugh. 2020, uh. I would fucking watch it. <gasps> I would watch it. Every day, the same thing I did with the first social network movie, and I would cry, and it would be great. And that also sounds exactly like something Jesse Eisenberg would say. <laughs> that kid's a little shit. I love him. It's funny though, because when like the ball dropped on like all the uh, the Facebook discourse, like in real life, and I like knew who all the people were, <laughs> despite like being not having anything to do with Facebook for a long time because like, I didn't really get into my Facebook until I moved countries. It was weird because people like when the people first started talking about Peter Thiel, I was like, hey, I know who that is. <laughs> it sucks. Oh, and they popularized like so many tropes. Sorry. Oh, yeah. Oh, Supernatural. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think we talked about the thing anyway. So I think we talked about the thing. Uh, there's so much more to talk about. Obviously, Supernatural is a lot. Mm hmm. That is only just dawning on me. Yeah. We can have episode two Supernatural Boogaloo at another time. It doesn't matter. <laughs> I have so many unanswered questions now. Oh, there's... Yeah. What? Uh, I, I, I can't even put them into words. There's too many just swirling in my brain. None of it's pertinent. It's all just, wow, I never thought about Supernatural that way. Oh, yeah. Well, if you ever have any questions, I'm your man. Because I, I, I was there... I saw it. So, you've heard that first, listeners. If you have questions, hit us up online at Blissfully Show on Twitter and Instagram. Look how flawless of a transition that was. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah. Thank y'all for listening to Bliss Fully Aware. I have been Bliss. And until next time... 
look forward, I guess, to another Supernatural episode where <laughs> I get schooled on all the stuff I never thought about. <laughs> Yay! Bye! Bye, guys. Cindy Crawford. Cindy Crawford? Cindy Crawford? That doesn't know. That's wrong.